Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wonder Ministries. I am so excited that you guys are here to listen today. We are now on episode 12 of our of our episodes ever. So that's pretty cool. And God's just been doing some cool work in these conversations that I've been able to have with each guest that we've had so far. We are continuing our series on how to, but just a quick little note. Um, I am the founder and director of the ministry and I'm in the seat and we also really, really want you to subscribe and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just be involved with our ministry. If there's anything you would like to do, like share our stuff, uh, you know, provide us with some topics that you think would be great for us to talk about. We just love the input and feedback you guys provide with us. And so even if it may seem like a small thing, we would really appreciate hearing from you guys. And so, um, but to start off today, before I introduce our guests, um, for this week, I kind of wanted to do something different. I really felt like this episode needed to be started by meditating on God's word and especially a particular Psalm that just relates to a lot to what we're talking about. Um, just to preface this during in our world, no one's in, like blind to this, but we see that there's a lot of uh, disunity right now within our, our nation and within our world. And so um, with 2020, it's not been an easy start for the decade that we have. It has been what feels like it's kind of been going down in flames. Uh, and I say that in a joking way, but I also say that in a very sincere way because I see a lot of brokenness coming through and um, and also I see a lot of distance. And I, I really pray that we are able to be unified during this time when the church is under attack and whenever there's a lot of oppression and a lot of just hardship and a lot of division. And so um, to start us off today, um, I wanted to turn to Psalm 65. And if you guys would turn there with me, if you are in the car or if you're somewhere else where you're not able to access your Bible, I pray that you just close your eyes and meditate on what this Psalm says and what David says um, as he cries out to God. And it says, praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer all, answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are you are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades. You call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. As we think about just this creation aspect of God interacting with his creation and the things that he made for good and for such a good purpose, as we see back in Genesis, um, we are also reminded that there, God does encounter his creation. He is still interacting with us. He is still a part of our growth. He's still part of who we are. And even in a time like right now where there's a lot of division and um, a lot of uncertainty about where I guess a lot of our identities are, I see that, you know, one thing hasn't changed and that's God's faithfulness to his people and to his creation. And so as we start to talk more a little bit about creation today, I really pray that we are able to really meditate on that Psalm and meditate on the fact that even in times where our world just seems like we are falling away and falling apart that the Lord is still holding us together for his purpose and that we just need to trust in him. So, um, so thank you guys for listening to that. I just really felt like the Lord was um, really tugging on my heart to share that this week. And um, I just encourage reading of the Psalms whenever you get a chance to do that and just really spend time with him through that. And especially during times like this. Um, so with that being said, I'm actually now going to introduce my, my guest for today. Her name is Bailey Butner. She is, um, about to be a senior, I think that's correct. Yeah, senior at Washtenaw Baptist University. That's so crazy. You're so young. I can't believe that. <laughs> I like, you've grown up so much since I've like since I was there. Um, we're actually kind of having the trifecta of Washtenaw people the last few weeks, but it's okay. There, the Lord's doing some cool things through all of you guys, and so um, she's going to share a little bit more of her story. Um, I wanted that to be something she shares, but I did want to kind of give you guys a little glimpse of who she is. Um, and how I see Bailey. Bailey and I met 
I think it was in Tri-Chi whenever she was a part of Tri-Chi um, back when I was there. And one thing that I always notice about Bailey is that she is super dedicated to um, glorifying the Lord and doing that through loving the world around her. And I saw that through how she, when she did hands-on, we did hands-on in the same country in West Africa. Um, I saw how she loved the people super well and people who did not believe the same things we did. I think her and I have talked over and over about West Africa. All like, we just love, we love that area of the world so much. And I think um, because we just see a lot of similarities between our personalities in that area. And so that's something I see at Bailey. She's very dedicated to loving people and to loving people of different beliefs and different religions and just different backgrounds, but she's also very dedicated to loving God's creation. And um, that's why I thought she would be a, such a great asset and a great uh, voice today when we talk about something like our, just our world. And um, when, you know, caring about the environment and looking after like what God's creation is like what it looks like, how we need to not miss that. I feel like Bailey is a good person who can speak into that. And so, um, but yeah, and so Bailey's a senior. She's going to share a little bit about her major. She's going to share a little bit about what she wants to do with her life. Um, but I want to turn that over to her. So Bailey, thank you so much for being a part of this. I am just so excited to hear from you today. Yeah, thanks so much for asking me. I am pumped. Absolutely. I love this topic and I love talking about it and how it is so connected with who Jesus is and how he reveals mm. himself to us in so many ways. Um, so a little bit about myself, uh, my background, my testimony, I didn't really grow up in like a traditional Christian home. Um, you know, my, my mom would take me to church once in a while, not every week, but um, we would go sometimes, but just like faith and religion and Jesus just was not a topic talked about mm -hmm. at home. Um, and so it was something that I really got to discover on my own later in life, um, which was such a blessing and awesome. And God knew exactly how he wanted my story to play out. Um, but with that, I was in gymnastics for several, several years. Um, it was what really my world and my identity revolved around until, um, my freshman year of high school, I tore my ACL and my meniscus three times. So I got wow. surgeries. <laughs> um, so that really rocked my world and rocked my identity and just went through a really rough patch in who I was and what I believed and what I stood for. Um, you know, I believed in God, but I didn't really understand him and the, the price that he paid for me and the love that he had for me. Um, and so, but it was through this very difficult time of this identity crisis at, you know, 15 years old, um, that one of my friends invited me to her youth group and I instantly just like fell in love with it because it was the love of Christ that they were all showing me. And I didn't know that at the time, but the Holy Spirit just continued to draw me back and to get more and more involved with these people. And they just poured into me so well. And then within the next year of high school, I dedicated my life to Jesus. I had understood the price that he paid for me on the cross. And, um, it was just an incredible time. And uh, so it was about a year after I became a believer that the Lord started laying the nations on my heart and um, just showing me specifically Africa. I feel like I've just kind of always been in love with the culture and the people and um, had never been before, really had never even been out of the country. But I was like, okay, God, I guess you want me to happen <laughs> with this because you're like putting my heart on fire for it and uh so eventually um definitely felt a calling to missions and so that's mm -hmm. hopefully what I'll be doing with uh, my major I'm studying psychology and Christian studies with an emphasis in missions and so um yeah so pumped to see what the Lord does with that with internationals or being international myself so very cool and yeah I always I forgot that you're you're a missions focus too because I like because especially since we both did hands-on, that makes sense that we both had have that in common. But um, so now that you shared a little bit about your story, so how did you end up at Washaw? And then also, how did you decide, how did you get so passionate about, you know, environmentalism, looking after creation, um, and glor just like finding worship through encountering God through creation? Yeah. So um, for Washita, my youth pastor at the the youth group that I started to go to, um, he graduated from Washita. And then there were a couple other people like Noah James. He mm -hmm. was one of the worship pastors that a lot of people at Washita know. Um, he was a worship leader at my church. And so just like had lots of different connections there and some, some other um, just leaders in our church. And they just always talked about it. And it just seemed like a place that I was like, 
that sounds really awesome. And it's like super Christ-centered and I didn't really have any other colleges on my mind, honestly. And so I was like, I'm going to look into it. And then had a couple of friends older than me that graduated from the youth group that were attending Washita and I went and visited and fell in love and they offered what I wanted to study and the Lord provided financially. And so I went there. It was the only place I applied to. So (laughs) glad it worked out. Um, so that's that story. Um, just really awesome story of the Lord's provision, honestly. But I fell in love with the outdoors really my whole life. I grew up camping, um, here and there with my family, um, traveling around Texas a whole lot. I'm from the Dallas area. So I just kind of have to drive a bit of a ways to see some good nature. Love Dallas, but not, not a place you go to if you want to be outdoors. Um, <laughs> so we would go camping and especially my grandparents, they are big travelers. They've traveled the world and they've traveled all over the country to hike and they love national parks and state parks, especially my grandpa. He's one of the coolest people in most outdoor people I know. He um, has just done a little bit of everything and both my grandparents have just really inspired me to get outdoors and to, um, not take it for granted to to enjoy it and to love it and to take care of it because they do that so well. And so later on in life, um, when I was driving, I started doing my own adventuring and going on um, weekend camping trips and hiking and road trips with some of my friends that I made in high school that also loved the outdoors. Um, but what really solidified my understanding of environmentalism uh, was my senior year, I took an environmental science class and that wrecked my life and my view of the world um, in an awesome way. And just was really eye-opening as to how humans play such a huge part in how our environment works and the state that it's in now and the state that it could be and maybe should be. Um, Talk about that later, but, uh, yeah, just really eye-opening into to how I wanted to change, not just habits, but my lifestyle. Um, and so awesome class and very, learned so much, very educational. And so that just really solidified my love for creation. That's awesome. So, um, so when you say like, you know, when you got a little bit more of an idea of what that looks like with environmentalism and trying to be an advocate for that, and you learned so much through that class that you had, Um, what did you like, how did you start changing your lifestyle to benefit, to help the environment? Like, what are some things that you started right away and what have you grown to do now? Can you like touch a little bit on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the biggest things I think that really hit me was thrifting. And I know that's like super trendy thing right now. (laughs) Like it is such a great thing to do for the environment and, um, just really learning like like my family, we never really recycled. Um, before, but I learned like, of course, recycling is good, but there are other acts that you can take that are even better because, Mm -hmm. you know, recycling still has a carbon, um, footprint and, you know, so, um, it's a good option, but it's not the best. And so looking at reusing and upcycling and things like that was one of the, um, actions that I, I first took when I started learning about it. And so thrifting my clothes and, I really just like, I was like, why? Like I went thrift shopping one time with a couple of mm-hmm. friends and we found so many things we loved. And I was like, why do I ever buy anything new? Like yeah. which I do sometimes when I realize, okay, I can't find this at a thrift store if it's something like kind of more specific, I guess. And just, um, I'll also talk about consumerism a little bit later and uh, yeah. how that's changed. But that was just like one immediate change that I, that I changed in my life, um, was thrift shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really, we had a garden in my environmental class. Oh, that's awesome. Loved, loved gardening <laughs> there. And so we did that sometimes with our class. And so um, I asked my family if we could start gardening in our backyard. And so we grew herbs and different vegetables and things that grew well and just for our family. And um, that was so fun and something that yeah. I can't now in college because you can't really have a garden in your <laughs> room or your apartment as you could. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was one thing I I did um, that year while still living at home that I really loved. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And so now kind of going into more of like the creation aspect of of our conversation. um, If you had to describe a favorite, like, and I'm not trying to, you know, and I know there's so many beautiful parts of God's creation, but like, if you had to put your favorite out there and just say, have a reason why, um, what would you say is your favorite, like, 
experience that you've had with God in different parts of creation or like a favorite depiction of his, of his creation? Yeah. Oh gosh. That is nearly impossible for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, so can I answer with two things? Oh yeah, absolutely. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) Um, I just really love good views in general. Um, whether that be, you know, the beach and just seeing the horizon of the water meeting the sky and just looking like right. forever or up at a mountaintop and seeing, you know, just several different ranges and valleys and, um, or if it's being at the bottom of a mountain and feeling so teeny tiny next to this massive rock and ground formation, just incredible. So really just, um, anything with a good view, not specific, yeah. um, <laughs> also really love the sky and just anything really yeah. um I love the sun I have a sun necklace that I wear all the time oh that's awesome <laughs> and I also love the stars so much um stargazing is one of my absolute favorite things to do um and do it all the time with friends at Washita. it's a great place to just drive out a little bit yeah. and see the stars um so I think probably stars and and um I think I guess if I really had to choose one it'd be stars I just yeah. love because while you're looking up, you just see an uncountable number of, of stars, just billions and trillions of them. And it makes me feel so small yeah. and not in a bad way, in like a very freeing way mm-hmm. in, in the fact that, you know, I might feel like I have this huge problem or, or something going on in my life. And while, you know, it might still be an issue, I can look at stars and say like, man, I'm so teeny tiny and like insignificant, not in a bad way. Of course, we're yeah. The Lord loves us, but I'm just one teeny tiny thing in this entire mm. universe, and um, I just feel and, and and because I'm so tiny, and the Lord still chooses to love me, and He still yeah. to care about me and care about this issue. Um, it's just a very humbling and and freeing feeling um, that I love when I can see all the stars in the sky. Yeah, and I love I love the sky too. I think I just love that there's just so many shades of the sky that you get to see like you see the sunrise like when I go to work I go super early in the morning so I get to see the sunrise and then I get to see the clear blue sky um during the day and then I come and see like the sunset and then I see the stars and I think it's just a cool like it's I just almost feel like it's too gorgeous for us to witness you know it's and I don't mean that in like a cheesy way at all I mean that in the most like sincere way like I just i there's some times where I've looked at the sunset or looked at the stars and I'm just like, wow, how can I even like mentally prepare, like focus on the idea that I get to witness this? And, mm-hmm. and also I, I mean, and, and you may have a different interpretation of this, but every time I look at the stars, I immediately think of like Abraham and God in their conversation in Genesis, you know, where like he talks about, you know, his descendants and I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just like, it's crazy. crazy. It's such a cool, like, like visual thing. Cause you can visualize the starry sky and you can like kind of in your mind picture, wow, God said to Abraham, your generations will be as numerous as the stars. And yeah. I'm like, I can picture the stars I can see. And so it's just, I think it's such a cool and ve- I just, I don't know why, but every time I, I, and I don't know if you resonate with this too, but like, I just would always be like, wow, that's a, that's a story I can really picture. That's a conversation I can actually picture from the scriptures that is like, thousands and thousands of years old but like just a really cool I just think that conversation is so meaningful yeah so depicted well too so and I love that you talk about it being a visual thing because I think Mm. oftentimes and just out of my own human nature and flesh is like I don't want to believe something that I can't see or can't feel or visualize and so and I mean we can't visualize God right now in this lifetime you know but yeah um, that's something I love about creation is that it is like to me and how I relate with nature is like probably one of the closest things I'll get on this earth in this lifetime to, to visually seeing the Lord and his his vastness and beauty. And so, um, I love that you mentioned that it's something tangible. And so, you know, when Mm -hmm. we're reading scripture like that, it gives us a picture and something to, to illustrate something that God is, is saying, like, you can't even imagine, like, you know, the stars do not compare to my beauty. The sun does not compare Mm -hmm. to and you're like, but how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bailey. So we were talking before we started recording about a book that um, I think, I don't know if I've mentioned it here or not, but it's called Sacred Pathways by uh, Gary Thomas. And our board is reading through it together. And 
Bailey, you're so naturalist. <laughs> like after our this conver- short conversation, I'm like, I already know what your top one's going to be. <laughs> like, cause I was like, you know like, I was like, you would like this book. And I'm thinking she probably is a naturalist, but I don't want to like say that. But I'm like, now I'm like, yeah, she is. It's fine. <laughs> so, but yeah, just wanted to shout out that book right now because talk about the ways to encounter God. What a, and that's a big one is through nature and his creation. Mm-hmm. And like, anyway, I'll, I'll start. I, I just plug books all the time here, Bailey. I, <laughs> so like I'm reading like five at once right now because I just want to plug them all. Cause they're so great. And I'm just learning so much. And anyway, yeah, everybody read during quarantine, <laughs> but, um, back on topic now, but like, uh, so now that we talked about depictions of God's creation and, you know, just like the beauty that we see and we are able to encounter God in, um, you've also, as been on the field, the mission field, and you've like seen like, and, um, so I guess I want to ask you is like, what, where's your favorite place that you visited and specifically thinking about when God has spoken to you? Like, you know, you have those cool places where you're like, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I see the gorgeous wonders that God's done here. But like, I know in my heart, in my experiences, whenever I've traveled and done missions abroad, um, back when I lived overseas, like I really saw there was a difference between the beautiful places and the places where I saw God move and I heard him speak to me through. And so I was just wondering if you had any specifics for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, this one was so hard to narrow down. Um, but I kind of had two that, that really resonated on my heart. Talk about both of them. Do it. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> talking about both of them. <laughs> I'm just going to start saying like, instead of favor, I'm just going to go top two favorite. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, so. Favorites are really hard. <laughs> Um, but the first one that, that really settled in my heart and probably the first time that I really like the weight of God's love set on me, um, was at this place called Buckbald. It's a mountain in East Tennessee, um, that this camp that I started going to, um, in high school with my youth group, um, it's called shout out to Camp Livingstones. It's awesome. Uh, I worked there as a counselor and was a camper for a few years before. And it's in the Smokies, so our place. Um, But every Thursday, the counselors and directors and all the leaders take all the campers on our camp buses, and Mm -hmm. we pile up in there, and we go to the top of this mountain called Buckbald. And it's just this clear, it's Buckbald, so it's bald on top. It's just like a clear, flat area. Um, And you just get a 360 view of the Smokies and the North Georgia mountains and the Carolina mountains and just incredible views. And then um, we'd go like right before sunset, we play some games, we eat some dinner, and then one of the counselors or directors will share a sermon or their testimony, just some sort of some sort of message. And we have a worship service right in the setting. Um, and so, like you were saying before, just like every color imaginable in one mm. picture of the sky and just absolutely stunning. Um, but the first time I went there, I just became a believer like wow. that year. And so um, I just remember sitting there being in awe of what my my eyes, I can't even put it into words how beautiful it is. Um, but just just sitting there taking it in. And then just sitting there, like starting to bawl and think, how on earth does, does Jesus love me? And I just felt at that point, I'd like thought of all of my sin and just like guilt that I'd been carrying. And for so many years, like just ignoring him and thinking that he, um, that I didn't need him and that I was fine without him and just carrying so much, so much weight of guilt. Um, but then realizing like God loves me even more Mm -hmm. so than, than, um, painting that sunset in the sky and even more so than than anything that he cherishes me and he chose to, to die for me. Um, and just really letting that weight carry on me, like pour over me was just, um, really something. I I don't even know how to put it into words. Um, but it was really one of the first times that I felt his love for me and, um, because I was kind of able to wash away those Mm -hmm. feelings of guilt. And, um, you know, while I am still a sinner, Jesus looking at me and saying that I'm holy and righteous and loved, um, so that's, that's one. Wow. That's good. I love that. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, my other one did happen in Senegal. <laughs> and so, or in West Africa. Um, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. and, um, so, I mean, you've been there. It's, it's, it's beautiful in very different ways. It's than- beautiful in a very 
the mo- and I don't even know how to say it, but like beautiful in the most like unstereo non stereo I don't even know what to say at that non stereotypical way. Like you kind of go, really? <laughs> and then but then you're like two weeks in, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the most gorgeous place I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes. It's like yes. it's crazy. Like I am not digging on the country at all. It is absolutely beautiful, but it's one of those ones, it's on the edge of the Sahara Desert. It's like a hundred to 123 degrees, like four, like 75% of the year, you know, you're like insane. It's, you know, it's not a pretty picture at first, but then you're like, whoa, but anyway, sorry, keep going. No, it's okay. Yeah. And I love that you can relate with me in this because oh, when yeah. I show people pictures of this, they're like, it's just, <laughs> and like, there's like trash all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's so pretty. <laughs> And they're like, there's like goats on the street. But like, I know I think gorgeous. <laughs> um, yeah, it really, it, and maybe it's just because I got to live there and ex- like truly experience the culture and the people there is why I find yeah. it so beautiful. But I think that that is what makes a place beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's no, I'm not going to sit here and say like it's comparable to Yellowstone because they're, mm. or, or, you know, I'd say Yellowstone and, you know, just like beautiful yeah. places. People, people, recognize as being a great beautiful landscape but I compare it to it just it's completely different in the sense of the people there are so absolutely beautiful like not just physically but like it just their hearts for other Mm. people and their heart for hospitality and their heart the church's heart there for celebration and joy and worship is so raw and so captivating and in a sense that I don't think any landscape can can compare to. Um, and so definitely, you know, and I think, I think a lot of times I, I do this is separating creation and people because yeah. creation is nature and things that, things that we see in people are, are God's people, but like, we're all creation. We're like, all creation. We are mm-hmm. created, um, yeah. and we are a part of that. And so the Lord reveals himself through nature creation and people creation. Mm-hmm. And, and that was done you know, through people in Senegal that, that aren't even believers yeah. that is able to see traits of the Lord and traits that they depict of the Lord better than I even do. And I'm like, you don't even have the yeah. Holy Spirit inside of you and you are so hospitable and, and mm. so caring and loving and kind and more so than I could ever imagine being. Um, so that was another time that I just, you know, could never forget. Yeah. And I completely agree. Like, I think, I just remember, and I think this is something because I've, I've, you know, reflecting on that experience. Um, I think it's about to be, oh my gosh, it's almost four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. They, but like, that's, wow. I just, I feel really old now. Wow. Anyway, sorry. Um, sidetrack. Um, but like thinking back to four years ago, being in that like I was thinking about myself before I went to like and spent that semester in Senegal and after and I just remember I just remember that year was just such a like a weird and turmoil year for me like emotionally and spiritually in my in my own spiritual walk Mm -hmm. and I just remember but I think it was and at the time I was like oh you know I'm just so like I'm facing so much oppression which I was and you know I was facing so much like um just it was just hard and it was it was like hell honestly I'm not gonna just sugarcoat it it was a rough semester but at the same time it was a catalyst. And I realized like, and so it's cool because how you mentioned the people, cause that's so true. People are part of creation as well. And that's something I actually wanted to talk a little bit about. And so I, I love that you brought that up because, you know, like the way that I was able to experience that catalyst, not only from the Holy spirit, cause absolutely Holy spirit started everything. He is the, what moved in me to move me towards, you know, I feel like I grew up like five years <laughs> from that semester, but like, but I really did. And I think, and you know, I saw, but it was because of the people. And I think it was because in, a, in the U S and, you know, I've shared this before, but like I grew up for four years, I lived in overseas in China. And so I lived in Hong Kong for four years. I traveled extensively while I was there, my family and I did. And so I've seen a lot of Asian culture. I've seen a lot of like, you know, Eastern side of the, of the world kind mm-hmm. of culture. Um, so this is kind of new to go in a little bit more of the central, like if you're thinking about the map, the central area, um, especially with West Africa. And I was like, I, I think the crazy thing is that I 
felt, I loved people more because of like, you know, that catalyst that was started in me. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I was able to, and I've shared this with you. I was able, I remember at one point, there's a lot of, uh, just for anybody listening, um, there's a lot of syncretism in the culture that we are in, um, between specifically between Islam and between, uh, African traditional religion. And you saw a lot of charms. You saw a lot of the, uh, the Quran together. And, um, and I just remember like being at one point in the, like sitting in the presence of like an, a witch doctor and imam. <laughs> and this is like, and it's crazy. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Like, you know, I, I remember I told my mom this story when I got back and she was like, I can't believe you didn't tell me that while I was there. I was like, I know why. <laughs> like she would have been all for it, but she was just like, what in the world did my daughter, my 20 year old daughter experience? But like, <laughs> but the craziness is that I felt the Holy spirit fighting the oppression within me. And I don't, I, and that might be a scary thing. It was a scary thing. I had a lot of spiritual anxiety as a result of that, but that promoted the catalyst of, wow, I love people regardless of their background. I love people regardless of their religion. And I just saw a hunger and fight for ministry through that. And I I feel like you and I've talked about that too, is that, um, in America, we had these blinders on of, you know, oh, they're different than me. I need to like go against them. We kind of talked about that earlier with the disunity and all that, that I shared whenever I read Psalm 65, but Mm -hmm. like we, but in Africa it's almost like, there are so many differences between you and me, but like we, there's also this desire in the Holy spirit promote, like really catalyze my heart to go, Hey, I need to go love this person beside, like in spite of that. And because look at myself, I'm so guilty of sin. I'm so uh, broken because of my sin. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like that person, but I have the new hope that I have with Jesus and I need to share that with somebody else. And I think that's the beautiful thing about people and creation and loving God's creation as people and loving other nations and loving other people as well. And, um, I'm kind of rambling at this point, so I apologize, <laughs> but I just, it just was such a reminder of like how, you know, how we are experiencing and we need to learn to love creation well, especially God's people who are, you know, just don't know him yet. And, um, yeah. And Africa was a huge part of that. So I completely, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that for sure. So, but yeah. So do you guys want to hear any stories about Africa? <laughs> like, just let us know. <laughs> we could talk about Africa forever. Like I, there's just, man. hour long podcast. <laughs> oh, I know. That just needs to be a whole nother. We may do that at some point. Maybe like do like a, you know, talk about Africa podcast like episode you know just focus on like missions in Africa that would be a really long (laughs) episode but like you know but you and I just went through such different experiences too but like oh my gosh we were able to really relate to each other at the same time and so we still need to go to that West African restaurant um in Little Rock whenever I'm back in Little Rock again um sorry now going back to a little bit different like um and this is kind of going more into like what you were sharing about with environmentalism. Um, now that we've kind of like talked about creation and the beauty of God's creation, how we need to, you know, worship him through it. And like, and that, I don't mean that in a weird, like go worship plans or whatever. I mean like in loving and appreciating it so that we can glorify him through it because he is the ultimate creator. And so, um, so with that being said, why is it important that we treat creation with respect? Yeah. So first of all, he commanded us. Um, mm-hmm. we see that in Genesis one and two, um, we see him in Genesis two, he places Adam in the garden yeah. of Eden and tells him to mend it and to watch over it and also gives him permission to name the creatures within the garden. Um, and I was just thinking about this. I was like, why was it so important that he told Adam to name the creatures yeah. um, in the garden? And then I got to thinking about like, when you're so personally, this is how I related with it, was when I was younger, I went and volunteered at an animal shelter a lot just because I loved animals and I never had a dog growing up. This is one of the saddest things I think I can say about myself is I've never had a dog and it breaks my heart, but I loved animals, especially dogs. And so I would volunteer and I would go and just walk them and, you know, play with them, whatever. And, um, if they, if some dogs would come in that were strays or cats or whatever, I would want to name them myself. And my mom was always 
like, Bailey, you do not need to name these dogs because you're going to get attached to them and then we're going to have to leave them and they're going to get adopted and you're probably not ever going to see them again. And I would still name them and I would still get so sad every time they were adopted <laughs> as if this was like brand new information to me. <laughs> I was experiencing it for the first time, but it happened every time. And I, you grow an attachment to something when you name it. Right. And, I think the Lord gave Adam this permission because, you know, God already has attachment to his creation because Mm. he is creator. He created it and he knows that it's good and he is connected. And, you know, I, I think that creation is, you know, they're obviously connected because he's creator in there. It is creation, same as us. Um, But he wants Adam, he wants human to have this connection as well. And allowing Adam to have that permission to name it, I think like just really solidified it because it makes me think, go, go back to that time that, you know, I named that dog or that cat and, you know, having, feeling that connection to it, I get to come, you know, two days later and say, oh, there's Ranger, my dog or whatever. And that's not really my dog, but I still have a connection to yeah. it. Um, and so I just really loved that um, illustration of, 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 we do have a relationship with nature and the yeah. Lord loves that and wants us to embrace that. Um, and even earlier in Genesis, it says in the first chapter that God gave us dominion over the earth. Yeah. Um, And I've heard this interpreted from some people just as like, oh, well, that means we get to rule over the earth so we can use it however we want. And, you know, and he's, he's going to give us a new earth anyway. So why do we need to to worry about taking care of it now? Um, But looking at, at the word dominion, it's not having a dictatorship over it. And I think it's important to, to distinguish the two and that dominion, meaning to rule, meaning, more so to have a stewardship of it. Um, And I think of a ruler, like a king or a queen, and it's their job to take care of their country and to take care of their people. And if they want to be a good ruler of that country, then they protect it. And, you know, if they allow something to destroy it, then that, you know, they're not seen as a very good ruler. And in the same way, if we are to be rulers of this earth, we are to protect it and sustain it. And we want it to to watch it thrive. Um, And so, and I think the Lord, he, he obviously knew that um we had to live with the earth because the earth supplies with food and water and air to breathe and so um why wouldn't we want to take care of it if if it's what's allowing us to live and um so i just think one really important thing the lord has commanded us to and and we are first and foremost regardless of anything we obey the lord um and he wants our obedience and um not out of you know obeying me but out of a love for him and a love for creation um and Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? No, you go ahead. Sorry. I'm just thinking about what you're saying. You keep going. Um, also with that, the earth doesn't belong to us. It mm-hmm. is borrowed. And scripture reminds us of that throughout the Bible constantly and that everything on heaven and on earth belongs to God. And we're simply sojourners here waiting for our eternal home. And um, this made me think of, of how, you know, another illustration that it reminded me of is if someone lets you borrow something like their car, you don't just go and take their car out for a joy ride and go and do donuts and, you know, try to pop the curb or whatever. Like probably not very good for the car. And so you want to take care of something when you're borrowing it more so than, than take, you know, like you can do those Mm -hmm. things with your own car. And if you mess it up, then it's your own and that stinks, but it's so much worse. Like I've borrowed stuff and I have ruined it before and it just makes you feel terrible because you're like, this is not mine. And they graciously let me borrow it and I did not take care of it. And in the same way, like the earth is not ours. It has been and always will be the Lord's and cause he created it and he's letting us borrow it while we're living here, um, physically living on this side of heaven. And, um, so that just, I think, should convict us to want to take care of it even more so um, than, yeah. you know, if it belonged to us, because it doesn't. It's his, and, and it belongs to him, and it, it glorifies him. And in the same way, I think we can glorify the Lord by taking care of what's his. Yeah, and I, I yeah, all, yes to all that, because I complete. I just, I love how you explained that difference between dominion and dictatorship, like, and dictate over, because... You know, I do think a lot of people go, oh, dominion, that means I rule over this. And I think because we're such a me-centered culture, you know, it's so easy for us to think, okay, what am I over? What do I get to have authority over? And that's so true, though, stewardship. And, like, I think we think about stewardship in terms of money. We think about stewardship in terms of time, but we never think about it in terms of creation and how can we, you know, 
maybe like like just sometimes maybe you carpool with people to help store the earth like you don't you know and like I just I love that you explain that because I feel like that's something that is just not very common for us to think about is how can I steward and lead and watch over even um, the world that the Lord's graciously let me look after and be a part of. And so, and even like, I think of also with people, you know, like I think of like, first of all, when you first talked about how that description of between like, you know, watching over and like, you know, and about attachment, I, I love, I thought that was a really good uh, visual about what it looks like. And so, but I even thought about it in terms of people, like that really goes back into the idea that we should love each other, mm-hmm. like how he has intended us to love each other and how God loves his people. And mm-hmm. I think that, and so if we're going into that broader, you know, definition of creation, like that means that, you know, we are not trying to find authority over each other. Or we're not trying to like, you know, micromanage each other, but we're trying to love each other in a way that Jesus loves his people as well. But yeah. Um, and so, uh, that was so good. when I was, oh, <laughs> when I was just meditating about this question too, it just kind of almost angered me in a sense yeah. that like, it shouldn't have taken a water crisis or global warming or for animals to go extinct or for people to uh, be killed or yeah. to starve or be in slavery to make us start caring about our planet and its people. Like this should have been, this should be something that we simply do because God has commanded us to care for creation and to care and love his people. And the fact that, you know, like it doesn't belong to us and people are not ours. Things are not ours. This earth is not ours. It all belongs to him. And he's looked at it and said, it's very good. And he cares and loves about us and, and his creation. And and we should care and love about the things that he cares about and, and the things that break his heart should break our heart. And so, um, it just almost like, I don't want to say angered, but just was like, ah, why, why did, why do we have to wait for things to be the opposite of what we want for us to start caring and just start acting. And, you know, I'm guilty of this in so many different areas of my life. And, you know, it should be enough of just the Lord saying, love people and love me and love the earth and and we should do it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so kind of talking about God encountering us through his creation. So, and you kind of shared a little bit about this earlier, but, um, in what ways, and even if you want to like turn this question to recently, if you want to say that, um, but in what ways has the Lord encountered you through creation? Yeah. Um, so definitely through people, like we mentioned before, one of the biggest ways I feel like every time I meet someone new, not every time, but oftentimes I'll like see a trait that I'm like, Oh gosh, like this is totally them revealing the Lord, whether they know their creator or not, they're representing of him that I can, that I can learn and want to take on. Um, and I think another way recently, like you said, um, a few weeks ago, I took a trip to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and a couple other places with a few friends. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I'm so jealous. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, and wow. just like one of those places, like Yellowstone specifically, it has so many different vast landscapes yeah. that we were just like in awe that you could drive half an hour, an hour and have just seen four different types of nature. Like I felt like one minute we're looking at this giant waterfall over a Canyon and then you drive an hour South and it looks like the desert. And then you drive an hour West and you, there's just like mountain ranges galore and lakes and just like incredible. And it reminded me of how creative God is, which I feel like is a characteristic that we don't talk about a lot. Like, you know, we know that, God is loving and and that, um, you know, he's powerful. And, and, you know, we know a lot of like the characteristics that are talked about a lot, but I've never really focused on how creative he is Mm -hmm. and the sense of like, you know, he is creator. So he is in all things creative because he has to think of them and make them himself, you know, like how on earth did he decide to make the land shoot up out of the ground like a mountain, but then also you're going to turn around and see, you know, water gushing at, you know, crazy, powerful, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, like how does he think of these things, you know, just kind of, um, a characteristic of characteristic of him that I don't really focus on a lot, but I think is something that can be so inspiring and, and just very put us into a state of awe of who he is. 
um, and just like how on earth there's so many things that we can't understand about him. And, um, and it inspires me to want to create as well. You know, like he's given people passions for art and for Mm -hmm. making things with their hands or making music. And I, um, love to do those things. I'm not very good at it, but I liked, I enjoy doing it. And I think that that can definitely be an act of worship and kind of like Katie talked about, um, last, last podcast and just Mm -hmm. talking about how, you know, worship can be in so many different things. And I think creating can be that as well. And what better depiction of that than the creator himself? Mm. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, and so kind of going back into scripture. So, um, we read a we read a passage a psalm earlier um, that talks about God's investment into His creation, mm-hmm. and so what I want to know is um, what passages of Scripture have you observed or have encouraged you, mm-hmm. um, but has also tied into the beauty of God within His creation. Yeah, I love that question so much, and there's so many places in Scripture we can see the Lord revealing himself or illustrating something that he's trying to teach his people with creation. Um, but I just picked out a few that really, um, have, have rested on my heart and have really, um, just, I always come back to these is, um, one Genesis two, seven, it says, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And then the man became a living being. And this is just another verse that, kind of reminds me of the stars that I was talking about earlier is just so humbling that I sometimes I get in my head that I'm so you know big and mighty and I'm all that and I'm this really cool gal whatever <laughs> I'm fine Ooh, I'm a seven on the Enneagram look at me go but like I was made from dust like dust right. is so insignificant people wipe that you know they spend days cleaning their the dust off their house and things that you know like it's it's insignificant and it's abundant and there's nothing special about it but the Lord made life out of that um and and we read later i believe in psalms that dust we are and dust we are going to return Mm -hmm. and just a very humbling um humbling metaphor i think and that and also um solidifies our relationship to the earth as well and makes that connection even stronger and i think when we um can embrace our relationship that we have with the earth it grows and and connects us back to our relationship with our creator Mm -hmm. Yeah. That illustration. I love that. And so, um, and now kind of going back to taking care of the earth and going back to environmentalism a little bit, um, which we having knowledge can be a little bit of a political topic, but we don't want it to be a political topic here. We want it to be just a command. Like you said, it's a commandment to love our environment well and to love our planet well. And so, um, do with what you want with that. But like, I fully believe just like, and I completely agree with you on this idea that God commanded us to love it and to store it well. And therefore we need to, we need to do that. We need to follow that and obey that commandment. And so, um, what are some practical ways that we, um, anybody listening to this, anybody that's maybe never recycled before and never done, like really looked into that. What are some, like some practical ways that we can love our planet? Well, yeah. So, um, lots of ways out there. <laughs> um, I want to preface that I am by no means perfect at any of these, and I fail often at these <laughs> things that um, I try to make into my my lifestyle, my daily yeah. habit, um, and things I definitely want to work on. Um, you know, there's recycling. Look into your local um, recycling plant and see. You know, okay, do you have a specific thing for cardboard and a specific thing for plastics and aluminums? You know, if you like soda, girl, I love me some Dr Pepper. <laughs> like, if you drink yes. a lot of Dr Pepper, recycle it. Um, you know, or just in general, using less plastic and more reusable things, like taking mm-hmm. your reusable bags into the grocery store using a reusable water bottle. Yes. And um, different things like that, you know, try to eliminate your Ziploc baggie use and use plastic containers or glass containers. Um, Like you said, carpooling when you can, thrifting when you can, um, getting creative with it. My roommate and I this next year are going to start composting because we've realized, yeah, I'm pumped for it. (laughs) We just realized like we love fruits and vegetables. We always have fruits and vegetables um, in our house and eat lots of them every day. And, but we realized like how much waste that can build up when you don't eat the peel of your banana or the core of your apple and things like that. And so we've asked, um, 
some of the professors and staff at Washita that I know have their own garden at their house and ask them if they compost and if they would be willing to let us participate in that. And they're like, yes, absolutely. And we've emailed them and we've got a system going where we'll drop off our post and um, just super pumped about that. Cause like I said before, we live in an apartment and so can't really have our own yeah. garden there, but we can participate in composting with a community. And, um, with that, I think something really cool is like, like we've been talking about that can build community and build relationships. Yeah. And so while we're caring for the environment and hopefully reducing our waste and reducing our trash, um, we get to build relationships with these professors and their families and, um, just get to connect with something that we love and taking care of the earth. And so that's just a really awesome thing that we're excited to start doing. And yeah. Um, yeah. So I think another thing that people can do is just learn and apply it um, to their lives little by little. Um, so like following people on Instagram, um, watching YouTubers, there are so many people that are zero waste now. And, you know, like, I know that's a huge lifestyle change and I am very, very, very far from being zero waste by any means, but, um, taking something, one small step and applying it to, to your life and to your lifestyle. Um, and one thing kind of going back to what you asked me before in my environmental class, like one thing that I did change there and that I've continued to do and try to apply and, you know, it's a gradual growth that I've had since that senior year. Um, of high school is the use of palm oil. And I learned how bad palm oil is for the rainforest and deforestation of the rainforest and how that affects not only, you know, the, the animals and the vegetation there, but it affects the people that live there as well yeah. in so many different ways. And our earth is just so interconnected and, and woven in ways that, you know, everything affects something else and people are definitely included in that. And so um, I thought, okay, well, what's something that is in palm oil that I use all the time? And I eat a lot of granola and a lot of granola bars and palm oil is used in almost every single one and peanut butter as well. Yeah. Nut butters. Palm oil is in nearly all of them. And so that year I said, okay, I'm going to start buying granola and granola bars and nut oils that do not have palm oil in it. And I've been doing that since. And it is hard, one, because it's in all of them. So yeah. I've been to like granola bars that I may not have liked before, but now I love them. And they have, you know, five ingredients and none of them are palm oil. And, you know, nut butters, it is more expensive most of the time. But I have to remember that it's not just a monetary cost. It is a cost of the environment and a cost of people. Um, and sometimes that outweighs, you know, paying $6 for a jar of peanut butter versus three. But I know that I am not affecting the rainforest or if you're buying local, it might be more expensive, but you're not having as big of a carbon carbon footprint because you're not having paper transportation across the world and things like that. Um, so I think the biggest thing, and it can sound so overwhelming. Um, like, Oh my gosh, there's so many things you can do, you know? Um, and so many things that, that need fixing, but knowing that, um, just take one small step and one tangible yeah. thing. And it might feel so small and insignificant, but, you know, it's one less piece of trash in the landfill or in the ocean. It is, you know, one less jar of peanut butter or one less, um, let's say, if you're buying like ethical clothing and you, you decide instead of, you know, running to H&M or Forever 21, not to rat on anyone that, that yeah. shops there, to rat on the, on the companies because they're not environmentally friendly. And instead, yeah. deciding to thrift something saying like that's one less shirt that's going to end up in the landfill or one less one less unethically bought item and so it's just little steps and, and you can grow on it gradually as um you try to change your your lifestyle and yeah 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 so um I do know that you also right now are doing some kind of challenge can you talk about that and like what you're doing with that <laughs> um I'm so glad you asked about that <laughs> I'm so pumped to talk about it. Um, so it is this book. It's a very long title. I just call it Seven. <laughs> <laughs> but it's by Jen Hatmaker. If you Google Seven Jen Hatmaker, the book will pull up. Yeah. It's an incredible, incredible book. Um, my roommate and I actually read it together. She read it out loud to me while I drove all the way up to um, Yellowstone. <laughs> with oh, her. cool. Um, That's awesome. So she read it out loud. And so we're doing it together with a couple of our other friends as well. Um, and so basically it's seven months of getting rid of excess waste in seven okay. different areas of your life. Um, and so there's things, I don't know if I can remember all the categories, but it's like food, 
um, clothing, waste, um, possessions, shopping, media, and stress. I can't believe I just remembered all seven. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that was shocking. Um, so basically, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it because I think I'm going to throw the book out there. Everyone should read it. It's literally so good. Um, but so for example, like for clothing, that's the month that we're in right now mm-hmm. is you choose seven different clothing items and that's all you wear for 30 days. Wow. And it is a challenge. <laughs> um, and it really hasn't been too bad up until the past few days when I'm like looking at the seven things I picked and I'm like, this is really all I have to choose from. Uh, <laughs> but the point of it is to get rid of excess and you're realizing like, well, okay, I've made it two and a half weeks with these seven items of clothing. Why do I have 350 items of clothing yeah. that I probably don't even wear a fourth of them? Yeah. And, you know, there are people out there that could use these these clothing items more so than just what they're doing sitting in my closet doing nothing. Um, and so just lots of different things like that, almost like a fast and to say like, um, you know, what can the Lord teach me through living minimalistically and mm-hmm. living simply. And Jesus was the perfect example mm-hmm. of, of a minimalist liver and living simply. Um, and, you know, not saying that everyone needs to run out and sell all of their possessions, but maybe the Lord is convicting you of that. And maybe that is something that you say like, okay, I need to purge my closet and only keep 20 items and see what the Lord teaches me through that. And we value, we value things like clothes and we value things like food and media and our possessions when in reality, like they're fleeting and, Mm -hmm. and in this lifetime, like we're not going to get to carry them with us into heaven. Like we're not going to need or want anything because we're going to have the full glory of God before us. And so, um, I think just kind of changing our perspective and and saying like, okay, yes, we need clothes, but I don't need 300 t-shirts and, and, you know, I need food, but why do I need food? Is it for, you know, for survival and sustaining like so many people in the world that they don't get that privilege, but we get it for comfort. And when I'm feeling sad, I'm going to go eat half a tub of ice cream. And, you know, like so many people in the world don't get that privilege. And so, um, just really excited to see what the Lord teaches me through this next seven months, um, with each of these challenges. I am only in the first month, so, um, we'll see how I feel when month four and five and six. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. awesome. It's a really great book. And she, she's also a Christian. And so she, she writes from a biblical perspective and, um, it's almost like her diary. And so she goes through what the Lord is teaching her, um, throughout this month. And, um, it's just awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing about that. I just thought about that when you were talking, I was like, I think she's doing something (laughs) to like cut down waste or like cut down like something. And so I'm so glad you decided you felt, and you were excited to talk about that because that's so, you're just, you're just such a great leader in that. And I am just, I really respect and I admire you a lot because of that. And so, um, and then like, just as we're starting to close on this episode, um, something I love to ask each of my guests that are on here is this idea that, you know, we are a women's ministry, but we also are very much about, you know, encouraging women and, and just seeing how you as a person within this topic that we've been talking about, how are you living on mission for other people within the boundaries of this topic? So I wanted to ask you is like, especially with quarantine, I know it's been like kind of, you know, quarantine just makes everything super interesting. So I love hearing the different answers on here about that because I know that's just such a unique experience for all of us, but, um, So how are you living on mission to others or how can you live on mission to others? Um, And I'm trying to think of how to word this. And so how can you live on mission to others through this mission that you have to love the environment well in a way that gives glory to the Lord? Yeah. Um, That's such a loaded question. (laughs) But I love it. It's a great ending question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think one that um one way i think that we can glorify the lord through caring about the environment um and caring about his people this is just so connected to to the environment and people and something that i've been super convicted of especially since um going to senegal and um there's an island out there and it has you know um a slave house that was yeah. used in the Atlantic trade slave, um, slave trade. I just switched those words, Atlantic slave trade. Um, and it was, 
very eye-opening, very convicting, and um, just talking about the use of manual labor within textiles and within clothing. And so I think one way that that I've, and again, this is just kind of like what I was saying before, it's one thing that I've been convicted of and, and, and chosen. And I think, you know, if you're convicted of something else, then absolutely follow the Lord in that. But um, is how much slave labor is used in the making of right. our clothing. And um, that was just made very evident to me in the past year and how it affects people and it affects the environment. And yeah. there is um, just this, this turn and burn society and consumerism of, of buying clothing for cheap. You know, if you find a t-shirt that's $3, you think like, oh, this is a great steal. Um, but like I said, again, like there's so much more cost that goes into that $3 t-shirt than if you were to one, not buy it or to borrow or thrift it or buy ethically, you know, that $3 t-shirt has a woman or a child in another country working in almost unlivable conditions, getting an unlivable wage, um, being treated poorly and, and still barely making any money off of it. And, you know, or maybe it's slavery, they're not getting paid hardly at all, if at all. Um, on top of that, the carbon footprint of, of shipping that t-shirt um, halfway across the world, it's polluting the earth and that transportation, and as well as the cheaply made t-shirt is just made to last for a few wears, and then you're going to throw it away. Or maybe you only wear it three times, and then you never wear it again, and you throw it away, and it ends up in the landfill. And, you know, not only is that t-shirt just sitting in the landfill, but it also releases chemicals into the water and into the air. And so, and then again, you know, you're polluting water and you're polluting air and that affects people's health. And so yeah. it's just crazy to see like this web of how, you know, thinking that you're caring for the environment and you should care for the environment, but you're also caring for people. Yeah. And the Lord has made, you know, the earth to affect people and people to affect and um, impact the earth. Um, yeah. And, and so I think, you know, to care for one is to care for the other. And I think that's really important in a way that you can definitely live on mission and glorify the Lord. And so, you know, when people ask me, like, you know, I bought, for example, I bought a pair of pants that were from this ethical company. And so, um, you know, they don't use, it's ethically made, no slave labor. And someone asked me, like, why would you spend like $80 on this pair of pants when you could have gotten them from here for like 15? And so getting to explain that and saying like, I want to care for people, you know, it's, it then becomes a testament as to, um, it's worth paying a few extra dollars for when, um, I know that it's not harming somebody in yeah. the other side of the world and seeing those people, um, that don't get to be seen in the clothing industry, I think is, you know, just one way, um, very specific that you can live on mission. But again, there's so many, so many different ways, um, that you can live on mission and, glorifying the Lord through this. Whoops, I just hit my laptop. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, no. One other way that I, I thought of is, that is also pretty specific, but there's many cultures in the world today that still rely solely on the earth to provide them for food and for clothing and shelter. Like um, a lot of tribes that I met people from tribes in Africa that are saying that they live a lot this way is, is basically, you know, what the earth has to offer them is what they survive on. And yeah. so they highly respect the earth and um are just you know in, in ways i'm not saying we should we should worship the earth and a lot of times that's what these cultures do but when they see the church treating the earth with respect they also treat with respect mm -hmm. it creates such a bond and and can lead your ministry and your witness to them in such a way because they know that you respect them you know in the same way that you know we don't believe in the quran but we respect it because mm -hmm. others it and you can have conversations and you can talk about Jesus and show them love through that way. Um, yeah. I think the way that the church can say like, we care about this earth because we care about your people group. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that was good. Those are all great answers and responses to this idea of living on mission. And so, um, again, Bailey, thank you so much for being a part of this episode today. I just, I feel like we just had some great conversation about, um, just, you know, how the Lord encounters and loves his creation. I just think it's such a great reminder that um, to me and to you and to everybody here like that, you know, he still is invested and he's still a part of it. And um, that means that we need to still be invested and still be a part of it as well. 
And so, um, but again, I'm just so, so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for our friendship and, um, we've learned so much from you. I already know I've like been like thinking, wow, I need to start living better in a way that will benefit the earth better. And so, um, but yeah, thank you so much for being a part of this today and to everyone listening. Thank you so much for listening. Um, next week we will be back on Thursday. So feel free to, um, check on Thursday when our new episode comes up. Don't forget to subscribe to uh, our podcast, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whether it's on a different po- podcast podcast platform. Wow, that's a lot of a lot of the same word, <laughs> same letter, <laughs> and same sounds. But uh, thank you guys. Um, praying for all of you this week, and um, just have a great rest of your your week this week, and encounter the Lord more. So, all right, see you guys next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.